recently, uh, Kenny, I, I have two clips this morning, and I'm hoping I don't get in trouble with these, praise God. Uh, but recently, Bishop Johnson um, walked into the conference room, and he noticed all the children were hooked up to their phones, hooked up to their iPads, and their other online devices. He asked them why were they all hooked up to their devices. And they replied to him, all of them, to block out all of the noise. I was left with a question, and hopefully you're left with the same question. What noise were they trying to block out? What noise are they trying to block out at home? What noise are they trying to block out at school? What pain are they trying to block out? I'm gonna answer some of this in the message. Kenny, are you ready for the first one? Go ahead. your honesty and your commitment to yourself and the ones you love and we commemorate this day with your one year sobriety medallion Kenny, do you need a little bit more for the second? A little bit more time for the second? Okay, go ahead to the second. Okay.
So, did it work? I'm sorry, Lilith. Elias? What? We should talk, huh? Leave me alone. Oh, what, huh? It's going to scratch me, too. Oh, come on. Not now. So, see. Not now. She smells anyway. I don't know what else I can do to help you. Give me that. Lots of it. That's not going to solve your problems. It's meant to distract from no them. No more preaching. Just give it to me. Lilith, please listen to what I'm says the Lord who created you and he who formed you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. first clip, we saw a child in a family, a good family, under their unsuspecting eye, was involved in drugs and substance abuse. They didn't see it coming. 
only until they walked in and saw her out unconscious from what she had taken. But then in another clip, I often ask myself, what happened in Mary Magdalene's life that brought her to a place where she was possessed, as the scriptures say, with seven demons, that she was oppressed and, and that she was crushed in her life? What happened to her in her childhood, her upbringing, that brought her to this place. Someone said years ago that most chronic, most present adult pain, most chronic adult pain is the result of unresolved childhood pain that was never taken care of. Bishop Johnson started this year off with a series on crucial conversations. And in most families, the problem is that crucial conversations have never taken place, or even in marriages. And so Bishop Johnson took us on this journey about crucial conversations. And some of you actually began to, began to engage in crucial conversations because you will find many times that that conversation is the oxygen of relationship when communication stop abnormality sets in because we've been made we've been hardwired by god for connection for relationship And then Bishop Johnson took us through a series on the life of Joseph. And we stayed there for a while and we saw all the conflict that took place in the family, all the problems and issues that Joseph went through. And for many of us, we saw our families in the life of Joseph's family, the 12 brothers. So this morning, I, I want to talk to you about a person who came from a good family. Uh, an unsuspecting person. His name is Solomon, King Solomon. Solomon was remarkable. He was incredibly wise. He had unlimited wealth. And in fact, he was known as being one of the most mightiest men ever to live on earth. He was an agricultural scientist. He was a, he was a um, he was involved in botany, zoology, he was an architect, he was a genius level systems thinker, he was a biologist, he was a musician, he was a singer, he was a mathematician, he was a negotiator. He wrote over 3,000 proverbs, he wrote over 1,005 songs, S-O-N-G-S, songs, Solomon did. However, Unlike Solomon brothers, who only talk to their father, if you read the scriptures, you will find that Solomon brothers, such as Ammon and Absalom, they only talk to their fathers twice a year. I want you to think about a family like that. And then they had to get permission 
from their father David to have conversation with each other. Solomon had a different relationship with their father than Ammon and Absalom. Solomon had a relationship with his father. The Bible says in Proverbs, just to give you a picture of the type of life Solomon had, the scripture says, when I was a boy in my father's house, still tender, and the only child of my mother, he taught me and said, lay hold of my words with all of your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Although Solomon did not participate in the trauma-filled relationships between David and the other children, their trauma did affect him. I want you to imagine something. Try, I want you to imagine. Try to imagine what it was like for young Solomon hearing the whispering of servants and other family members piecing together the fight that your father had your first, your mother's first husband killed. Got to think about that. He was living in that household. What do you think when he learned that God allowed an infant to die, possibly his brother, because of what his father did. Imagine what went through his mind when he learned of his sister's rape by her half-brother. Imagine his fear when he learned that the servants of his older brother Absalom murdered Ammon in cold blood. Imagine Solomon racing through the palace on the shoulders of Absalom. But now he and his parents, they have to flee Jerusalem because Absalom has gathered an army that threatened to destroy his father and his kingdom. How did Solomon handle the discrepancy of feeling secure when his father talked to him about integrity, law, and wisdom, but being afraid to ask him about the mixed up feelings that haunted him in his heart? Like so many of us, we've grown up in dysfunctional families. Solomon internalized his raging emotions. Some of you in this room were afraid to ask questions in the, the, the environment I came up in. You, 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 didn't, you didn't ask questions. You kept your mouth closed. Shut up. And any, any, if, you, if you asked questions, it was looked upon as disrespect. I rem and some of it was disrespect. <laughs> I remember one time I told my mother, she, she, uh, I was um, a teenager, and um, she said something to me, and she said, I, I want you to do it, I want you to do it now. And so she walked down the room, I thought she was gone, and I said under my breath, you do it yourself. And then, <laughs> and then as I walked out the room, I walked out the room, <laughs> I, 
As my mother said, I was slapped into yesterday. She raised three strong boys who are doing well. But I remembered hearing things through the wall. Hearing things I shouldn't have heard. That left questions in my mind as a child. Now Solomon grew up in this context. So he had all of this, this internalized emotions and he had nowhere to ventilate what he was feeling on the inside as a child. Now Solomon, now he's prospering. The scripture says, although he tried to keep, I didn't say that, but it, the scripture intimated in Ecclesiastes, the second chapter, the first through the 16th verse. Although Solomon tried to keep the deep hurt down or run from it in his adult life, he lived out the hurt that accumulated in his heart. Because what you keep silent about as a child, it comes out when you become an adult. So the scripture says in Ecclesiastes, he filled himself with pleasure, laughter, wine, and foolishness. He took on large projects, building gardens. He amassed wealth on top of wealth. He brought himself every pleasure entertainers, harems. He had absolute commitment to refuse himself no pleasure. Men of all nations, they came to listen to Solomon. In Ecclesiastes, the second chapter, Solomon described, after he had gone through all of this, he said, all the things I have achieved in life are meaningless. It's like chasing after the wind. He saw nothing but futility in all he did. Like most of us here this morning, he grew up in a dysfunctional family. And I want to talk to you about what does that look like for some of us. One thing about a dysfunctional family, adults from dysfunctional families are often involved in substance or drug addiction. Someone said addictions can be described as an attachment to a behavior, event, experience, person, or substance. It's called BEEPS. BEEPS, B-E-E-P-S. Behavior, events, experience, person, or substance that is used to regulate your emotions by increasing pain or decreasing pain. We are wired for relationships. In fact, we are wired to have meaningful relationships with our parents. Babies come out of the womb clinging to the mother, reaching for the mother. Babies come out of the womb clinging, wanting to be close to their parents. We are hardwired for relationships. So when the connection between parents and child does not consummate 
at that level of infancy, believe it or not, it affects future attachments and relationships later in life. When we are chronically in a state of distress or suffering, the absence of secure, healthy relationships, the brain's attachment center will latch on to anything that provides a sense of connection. The body will crave a substance to block out the attachment pain that leads to attachment to a substance or unhealthy relationships. And for Solomon, his choice was alcohol. When you read the scriptures, you, you actually see the description. He was an alcoholic. Now, as much as Solomon was an alcoholic, guess what today? The new substance of choice is what? Come on, saints. The, no, the new substance, weed. You want to drown your pain out? Smoke some weed. If you want to just, you want to, as the children said, block out all the noise, smoke some weed. If, 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 if you want to, if you want to detach yourself from reality, smoke some weed. If you want to deal with the pain in the relationships in your house, smoke some weed. Some people, they don't even smoke weed. They jump to cocaine. If you, if you, if you want to be detached from reality or, or the agony from living or the memories from your childhood, Get involved with cocaine, sniffs some cocaine, or some is opiates. It's everybody moving for some form of escapism. And so many times it's, it's silent. It's silent. No one knows about it. I remember somebody wanting to jump up and, and, and looked at me crazy because I said something about weed. told me and said, it's natural. There are a lot of stuff that grow in the ground that's natural, but you can't consume it. And you know something, when you block, when you use a substance to block, to, 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 um, to bring you pleasure, to block out attachment pain, or relational pain, when you do that, you cease to grow emotionally. And it does not heal the relationship if you block out the pain. That's why the Lord came through Bishop Johnson and said, you gotta have the crucial conversation. The crucial conversation. You can't have a crucial conversation. Hi. Yeah, man, yeah. <laughs> so Solomon had all of this stuff going. And this is what Solomon said about alcohol. He says, who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaints? Who has bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? Those who linger over wine, who go to sample bowls and bowls of mixed wine. 
He, Solomon said this. He says, do not gaze at wine when it's red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. That doesn't sound, that does not sound like a casual drink. <laughs> that sounds like somebody, he hooked. And then after that, he says, <laughs> he says, in the end, it will bite like a snake. Your eyes will see strange things and your mind will imagine confusing things. You will be sleeping on the high seas, lying on top of the riggings. They hit me, but I didn't feel it. When, when will I wake up so I can find another drink? That was Solomon speaking. I felt so strong about this last night as I was sitting before the Lord that even among us in this room right now, there's some of us in this room right now, we're secret addicts. Secret addicts trying to medicate pain from your upbringing. The Lord is not mad with you because he loves you. He speaks to that area. I know people who, who only get high on the weekends. They stay sober during the week so they can work and get high on the weekend. And then they repair themselves Sunday night so they can go to work. And, and, and they do it in such a way, they do it in such a way, they do it in a way that they can rationalize it because I'm not hurting nobody. I came up in the home of an alcoholic. I came up in the house of an alcoholic, a chronic Someone, my father worked, worked several jobs. But he was involved in alcohol. And you know something, when parents, when parents are medic, the, the thing about it, if a parent doesn't settle the addiction issue, it will try to come up in the next generation and the next generation, but in a different form, a different way. And this is one of the reasons why this message is coming today. Because the Lord wants to liberate all of us to experience his joy. A high is not equal to the joy of the Lord. A high can block the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord can nourish your innermost being like nothing else. And this is something that God wants to do in this hour. See, the issue, this is what the enemy does. This is what the enemy does. And I need to move on. What the enemy does is that when you're young and you get involved with drugs, and you start, you start using it to help you cope with issues of life. 
when you become an adult and you're having to deal with the issues of life, you don't have the maturity or the strength to deal with it. And so when the stuff hits the wall, you act like a child, act like a teenager in an adult body. And before you know it, the relationships break up, the relationships break up, and you're wondering why the relationships keep breaking up, breaking up, breaking up, breaking up, because there's not enough emotional maturity to sustain the relationship. Solomon, Solomon was in this place. It's been said that adults from dysfunctional families tend to perpetuate the problems of their family to the next generations. If we deny the dysfunction in our families, we give it free reign to increase in subsequent generations. The secrets we never talk about will be acted out by our children and our grandchildren. The things that we don't talk about in our household, the trouble that, that couples have in marriage, believe me, believe me, your children will act it out. Someone will be the scapegoat who, who acts out the pain in the house. I want you to think about that. Nobody knows how how we get at night. Nobody knows. But guess what? The secrets we don't deal with in homes, incest issues that are never talked about, stealing that's never talked about, Children, man, children that, that were had, infidelity that took place. We, we, we saw it happen, but no one ever talked about it. It was taboo. Someone said in dysfunctional families, you don't talk about it. You don't tell others about it. It's our family secrets. We got to keep this stuff in the house. You know, nobody needs to know about this. And the child grows up. Child grows up. Confused confused because they know inside it's wrong but we can't talk about it all right I know I'm talking to people down the street but another area that Solomon struggled with we're talking about the wisest man in the world Solomon struggled with intimacy issues Get this, adults many times, some adults from dysfunctional families often choose destructive relationships. Think about it. Because your pain will blind you to what you need to see. When you hurt so bad, you don't think internally that you deserve better. Until the gospel of Jesus Christ comes to you and you become acquainted with who you are in Christ.
place. God does not make any junk. Don't look around at anybody else because most of us in this room had some form of dysfunction in our families and most of us, I didn't say all, most of us have been affected by it in some form or fashion. This is a season where God is healing families. The scripture says in Acts the 16th chapter, whole households becoming saved. I remember in my own house, we went through a crisis that shook me, that, that shook, shook me. And the worst thing that I could have done that I didn't do, praise God, the worst thing would have been to not talk about it. The worst thing would have been just hold it. You know something? Because I'm going to tell you something. When one person hurts in the household, the whole house hurts. And some things that affect your family. You, sometimes if you end up because of pain, you end up focusing on one child because that child really needs that, that focus. But you never know what happens to the other children. Because you're focusing on that child that needs medical care. What happens to the other child? The child begins to feel guilty. The other children feel guilty for feeling bad about feeling bad about not having any attention. I, I, I sit back and I think about it. The joy that came because sometimes you need someone from the outside to help you get perspective. Because as long as you live by your own interpretations, you won't, snap, you won't, you won't navigate from those disastrous waters. And what the enemy does, he keeps you quiet. He keeps you quiet through the, the pain, the he keeps you quiet through, through the veil of shame. And for some of us, shame keeps you from getting help. Shame keeps you from getting help. Shame keeps you. What they going to think about me? question is what they're going to think about you if you don't get help and what's going to happen to your whole house I know the Holy Spirit is speaking this morning so Solomon so Solomon had intimacy issues how many of you say he, would, he had intimacy issues he had 700 wives and 300 concubines One wife is enough. Can you imagine 700 wives? <laughs> they wonder, is, is it my night? Is it my night? Or, or Solomon is having to pace himself out of it.
700 wives, 700 wives, that's like two wives a night. But then, but, but then if you add 300, the other 300, that's three wives, that's three women. <laughs> You're talking about, it's your number tonight. Or he may, he may have had the number system, you know, put my hand in it. No. <laughs> but when you read Ecclesiastes, you find in the fourth chapter, the ninth through the twelfth verse, it reveals how he longed for intimacy, how he longed for warmth. He wrote about it in Song of Solomon. He wrote about it in Song of Solomon. Throughout the book of Proverbs, he tells husbands to cling to one wife. But he's dealing with a sexual addiction because in the face of knowing that it's wrong and being under the control of another force, he had a sexual addiction. As he scrambled to please his many wives to maintain harmony at home, he ended up building temples to the gods of his wives in an effect to experience intimacy. God told him, he told him, he said, do not marry them because they will turn your heart from God. Some of y'all about, you're planning your marriage. You better be sure the one you marry is not the one who will turn your heart from God. We, done, we, done, we have sat here, we have sat here and counsel folks, man, and, and, and man, and the, and the man will sit there, oh yes, I'm saved, I'm saved, oh yeah, oh God, da, 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 da. And then once, 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 once I do, you know, before you know it, baby, you can't come to church. We're going to change churches. Uh, uh, and, and then before you know it, they're not at church anymore. And then five or six years later, you see her drunk somewhere and he drunk somewhere, high somewhere, broke down somewhere. Because you didn't see the trap. Don't take the bait. You gotta look at this, man. How could a man who saw God face to face, the scripture said, he saw God. God came to him and gave him a blank check and asked him, ask me for anything and I'll give it to you. He only asked for wisdom, and God said, because you did not ask for the life of your enemies, because you did not ask for prosperity, because you did not ask for these things, not only will I give you wisdom, I will give you wisdom above everyone. And I will give you prosperity, long life, in the lives of your enemy. He had what everybody would want in life. But because he wasn't whole within, he was hurt on the inside. 
God loved Solomon. He wrote three books of the Bible, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. But if you read Ecclesiastes, you will see his lament, how he looked back at life and wished things would have been better. Do you know Solomon's sin of marrying wives who loved other gods? The Lord took the kingdom from Solomon and his own son, Rehoboam, walked in separation from him. And not only that, those women that he married, they became the sole spiritual force of the kingdom. And the Bible says, and Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. And not only that, but he ended up having male prostitutes. The result of what he did ended up with male prostitutes in the temple. You'd be surprised what happens. You'd be surprised what happens when we don't allow the Lord to heal our pain. Time does not heal a wound. It only intensifies it. It only intensifies it. And some of you, you have a problem even maintaining a consistent walk with God. But I'm here today to tell you, I'm going to give you the good news. The Lord wants to heal you. And he wants to save your whole household. And when, when, and when he says save, that word save means soteria. It means salvation. It, it means more than a decision to Christ. We're talking about deliverance. We're talking about wholeness. We're talking about healing. God wants to bring that to our household. This is the season, as I close today, for over 40 years, the Lord has used Bishop Johnson, Lady Carolyn, to bring reformation to the family mountain in Georgia, United States. But the Lord is going to raise up couples and singles from this house as ambassadors to other cities, states, and nations to train others around the world regarding the family mountain. The Lord is going to choose those of you who walk with a limp with brokenness to bring healing to the nations. How many of you know we need healing right now? And because you sit under 
the ministry, the apostolic ministry of Bishop Johnson, Lady Carolyn. Some of you in this room right now, you are being groomed by the Lord to take the message of family and marriage and singleness. Take the message to the world. Some of you are being groomed. Some of you are being groomed to go here and there. Some of you are going to be online. Some of you are going to be licensed. Some of you are going to be commissioned by Bishop Johnson, Lady Carolyn, to take this word and, and, and raise up other healthy couples, other healthy singles. Some of you are going to become even nurturers regarding children. Some of you, God is going to give you wisdom regarding children, regarding family, Fam family manuals being written. Some of you are going to share your story, your journey from where you started into where you are now. And the Lord is going to use your message, your life as a light to others. The Lord is going to take what the enemy tried to destroy your family with, your generation with. God is going to take that which the enemy tried to use and cause that to become your pulpit you preach from and share from, that you win others to Christ with. I saw that as I was, was doing this, that this is a, a season where training is going to occur and tools are going to be placed in your hands. For Jesus was anointed to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to open blind eyes. Healing streams shall flow from this house to other churches, other organizations regarding marriage singleness, single families, and family and children. The Lord is doing that. But the steps we need to take today, I want to say that there's an emptiness that only God, but we need to take this step we, we need to take now. And for the rest of the couple of weeks, we're going to hear messages regarding family. Nobody, you know, I'm gonna, it's interesting that the, whole, the very apex of spiritual warfare is against the family. Just look at it. Just look at everything, everything. All you got to do is look at the children, what they're faced with, what the information, the bullying, all of this, all of this. Do, do you know one of the reasons why do you know one of the reasons why you got to have conversations and, and have your children put down the, the, the I'm, I'm going to say this and then the, one of the reasons why you got to you, you must have conversations with your children because so many of your children are haunted with fear about being taken about, about somebody, somebody kidnapping them or, or, or they're, they're, they're harboring that fear but without a conversation being hooked up to the devices and listening to news and all of this other type of stuff there's healing that must come place 
in that area. Their fear of being bullied, their fear of being taken, their fear of being shot, their fear of catastrophe inside of the school. Have you talked to them about it? Have you allowed them to have conversation with you about it so that you can diffuse the fear that the enemy is trying to seed their hearts with? Are you letting the phone control your household? Are you letting your children, do, do, you, do you monitor what's on their phone? Do you monitor what's on the computer? Are you looking at the computer? Do you look at where they serve? Are you, are you just depending on their word? Well, I just trust them. I just trust them. I'm going to tell you something. Don't trust them. Praise God. Not in that area. You better inspect. If they're living in your house, you better know what's in their bedroom. You better know what's under their bed. You better know what's in their drawers. You need to know what's there. You need to know if it's under your authority. If it's under your authority, then you need to know what's there. Somebody come to me. This is my promise. No, 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 no. No, no you, don't pay, you don't pay the mortgage. You don't pay one bill here. Every square inch of this land is under my domain. How do you think a child has a gun in the house and the parents don't know about it? They never looked. How can a, how can a child get on the computer and, 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 and construct bombs and, and why? Because nobody ever looked, they didn't expect. Nobody checked the emails. That was not in my notes, I'm sorry. If you love your children, you will inspect. You will look. You will scrutinize the friends they have. You will look at who they hang out with, what habits their friends have, where they go in your car, where they go in your car. Do they follow your rules? Do they? Oh, man. I told, I told, one of my sons, I said, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to let you drive to school. But if you get one ticket, I don't care what it is, it's going to part until you graduate. If there's a, it's, the rules was that you don't supposed to have anybody in the car the first year. I said, if, if I ever hear or see another person in that car. No, I, I had to do that, not because I was trying to flex my muscles, but because I love them. The Bible says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. You got to think about this. When a bunch of children get together, they lose their... <laughs> so anyway there is an emptiness that only God can fill you would think a man that God gave so much wisdom that he would have known better to make better decisions but how many of us have made dumb decisions how many of us have made stupid how many of us in, in a desire to, to desensitize ourselves from the pain we experience. How many of us? I want to say this. Today you can start to turn this around. 
and you can make this decision not only to give your life to Christ, because some of you have given your life to Christ. But you must commit your life. It's one thing to give your life to Christ and receive salvation, but I'm talking about a commitment to his lordship where everything in your life comes under his authority. And that you allow yourself to be in a place where someone else with higher vision, higher sight can speak into your life. That you would allow yourself to be in a situation where you can be corrected. Not, not from a, a negative standpoint, but so that you can grow. Some of us have made the commitment to Christ, but you have not. Some of you have received salvation, but you have not committed to Christ. You know what commitment sounds like? Commitment sounds like I get up at 8.15 in the morning and I'm going to be in the class. Why? Why will I be at class 8.15 in the morning? Because in that class, you are given instruction for life. You, you are learning how to live. And some of us have made the choice, I'm going to prefer my sleep, my present comfort over my spiritual growth. All right. I'm, I'm just meddling. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I want to say this. The problem and dysfunctional families cannot get better on their own. You can think they can, but they will never get better on their own. And I'm, I'm gonna say this, and there are, you got to do more than pray. There has to be some action. You gotta do more than pray. You know, one of the greatest things that can happen to a man is when his wife can look at him. And because he's a man under authority, it's easy for her to trust in him as her authority. I'm going to leave it alone. Okay. It's time to, the question is, who will join Bishop Johnson, Lady Carolyn, in this journey of the reformation of the family? Who would say this morning, I know I got some stuff, but I know God has called me to be a part of this, to be his ambassador, to be his representative, to the nations of the earth and for you the nations of the earth may simply be your neighborhood may be your job but your heart hurts your heart is moved by what you're seeing take place in the family how many of you man you you want to see what happened in previous generations in your family reversed a detox will not do it A detox will not do it. 
it is the start. It is the start. The Bible says that, that the word of God is profitable for reproof, for correction, for instruction. So there must be a feeding on the scripture that comes from a leader into your life so that you're feeding from the word in your family. And what's supposed to happen, guess what? When you're feeding from the leaders that God has placed in the house, then you're able to feed your family the word of God. And not only that, but in part for generations to come. Because some of you, you have children that God has earmarked to shake the earth with goodness. Some of you have children that have been earmarked by God. That's why the attack is so heavy against your marriage. Because the enemy wants your children. Discern the attack. So anyway, the altar call this morning is for those of you who would say, Lord, I really would like to see the stuff that's happened in previous generations in my family reversed. I would like to know what I need to do day by day I would like to know what I need to do month by month. I would like to, to know what, how, how to become a, a, a wonderful spirit-filled husband. How to become a father who blesses the nations. How to become a mother of Zion. How to become a single man or a single woman that God is using to turn the world upside down. There are many single people out here and the Lord is looking for single men and women that he can raise up to be a voice to them. How many of you would say, man, I, I need help with my children. I need help with my high school children. How many of you would Exchange your pride this morning for humility. How many of you will move past shame and say like many of us who have children, I need help. And that I want to join Bishop Johnson, Lady Carolyn in these upcoming months to see a revolution in our families that the family mountain in Georgia and Metro Atlanta may be redeemed. Those of you who are responding to this altar call, will you come right now in Jesus' name?